Story Guys is a podcast. It's a fake game show, actually. My name is Brian. And I'm Murdoch. And you can get involved with We Are the Story Guys at gmail.com or wearethestorygeist.com. That is our online headquarters. We spend a little bit of time on a regular occasion telling each other stories and then deciding who gets fake points. That's right. We also have another podcast called The Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories where we tell stories about rock and roll and demystify the myths, the things that you may not have heard between one person and another person and things that you may not even heard before. Can you tell that maybe we have been drinking caffeine? That's right. Uh, also, we maybe used to be in radio because we like just slip into that. Whatever I just did. Yeah, someone said to me earlier, you slip into host mode real easily. It's Ho- annoying. Host mode, yeah. yeah host mode. Yeah, I do do that. Let's step out of it. Speaking of, speaking of host mode, I did have the pleasure of hosting the uh, 46th annual uh, uh, Advertising Federation Awards for, for Louisville oh, at, yeah. the, at the Louisville Palace, yeah. which is not something I'd ever gotten to do before, be on stage. I have seen so many shows at the legendary Louisville Palace. Never been on the stage, and that was that was exciting. It was really fun. I got to do a little monologue at the beginning. I got to you know, present some awards and talk to some people, and it, the energy was high, and it was a good time. So I think it's funny you hosted this awards thing, and some of my coworkers were there, and I didn't go. How hilarious is that? Did you light up a cigarette on stage like Dave Chappelle? Because that's what I was imagining you doing. <laughs> Keep imagining because that's what I did. I did say. I did. I did name drop my buddy Murdoch on stage at the palace. So you've not been on the stage at the palace, but nope. you've been name dropped, or had your name mentioned in an intro for someone who was about to walk on stage. At yes. The palace. Right. What I'm saying is, you're almost close to greatness. Almost, yeah. I've touched. I've touched the <laughs> lip of the stage. I've done that. Uh, wow. So uh, the way we get these stories started, literally with our story starters, uh, are we grab a bunch of song titles and then we put them in a basket and we pick one out. And today I decided to go just really outside of the box and I grabbed a bunch of Alan Jackson songs. What's your relationship with Alan Jackson? Do you have one? Someone gave me a cassette when I was like in fourth grade of the album with Chattahoochee on it. Oh my God. Can I talk about Chattahoochee? <laughs> you, are, you are definitely allowed to talk about Chattahoochee. So I, I really do think he's really talented. I, I really do. Like in a classical way, like almost like a classical country artist. So um, I had to go to a wedding in a former life of mine before this one that you and I now have together. And um, it was a wedding where I, I was preparing for there to be a fight. And the fight was ugly and the fight was so ugly that like the mother of the groom got in between the fight and got pushed around. And Alan Jackson songs were playing the whole time. When I, I didn't want to go and I had to go somewhere and drop something off. And I was so not wanting to go back up to this reception. And I opened up the door and I heard, no, 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 no. Oh, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. It gets hot. And I was like, God damn it. I can't believe I have to be here for this thing. And there was a fight. So whenever I hear that, I always feel like it's like my Sherry and Moore. Like I feel like Bradley Cooper that I'm t- <laughs> totally triggered and I'm going to freak out. So I really hate that song. Great, great note about the movie <laughs> reference you just made. Yeah. So that movie is based on a book. It's yeah. Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. And in the book, the song that is used is actually Songbird by Kenny it's G. different. Yeah. Yeah. Which I just think is so funny. Um, which is a 
if you think about it, like Stevie Wonder song's really pretty. Yeah. Kenny G song, there's no words. I, I, I guess get it. I guess it's just be like you would recognize the Steve, you know, in the visual medium and in the as you're watching the movie, you'd recognize the song faster. Yep. And yeah. that's probably why they made that decision. But I, I just I think that's so funny. So yeah, someone gave me the cassette tape in elementary school of whatever the name of that record was, and it had a, it had a handful of songs I kind of liked on it. And I remember not thinking it was cool to like country, but like I had my friend Clifton Gifford who was like, hey, you're borrow my tape. And yeah. uh, I listened to it a lot. His name was Clifton Gifford, which is a great yeah. name for Clif- a small town rabble yeah. rouser. But didn't like, did you hear Brooks and Dunn at the same time? And you're like, ah, oh, you know what? That's, this is like the country hall and oats. And they were. Yeah. They really, and I've actually grown an appreciation for Brooks and Dunn over the years. Right. Uh, they- put a girl in it is like one of the greatest. <laughs> like, listen, I just, I'll just drop I mean, that. I don't even know what that is. Put a girl in it. But, okay, so what's it? Neon Moon? Is that the Neon name of the song? Neon Moon. Yeah, that's so, the really pretty one. And there's so a brand new man. Have you heard, I believe it's Cigarettes After Sex, like the indie rock band, do a cover of Neon Moon? No, and I love them. It's it's unbelievable. Look it up immediately. Anyway, we need to get on to the stories. What we're going to do is put a whole bunch of Alan Jackson songs, a lot of them probably from that album. We're going to put them in this hat right here. Here's what I have chosen. Chattahoochee, of course. It, We've got to do that. No. we got to do Gone Country. We got to do chasing that neon rainbow. Uh, we'll do little bitty. We'll be. We'll do don't rock the jukebox. We'll do summertime blues, and we'll do five o'clock somewhere. Seems like that would be a pretty obvious one. Okay, yeah. you ready? As long as it's not Chattahoochee. I mean, we've already. To be fair, we've already heard your Chattahoochee story. If it's Chattahoochee, we'll just count. Right, back. it's out. Yeah, you're just gonna pick something else. Right, right, right. Something else. All right. Uh, don't rock the jukebox. Oh, cool. I like country song. So my story starts with uh, going out to dinner with my eight-year-old son fairly recently. And there's a diner up the street from our house that used to be like a fancy burger place where they were like, it's $13 for a burger. And then a a diner down by the college um, decided to put a location out here. And it's now called, they had Burger Boy. And this is now called Burger Girl. I know you, nothing, you don't know about this. So nothing. it's open 24 hours a day. And every time we go, my daughter's like, Hey, when I'm in high school and college, I think I want to work here. Cause they're open 24 hours a day. And we're like, no, you are not going to, you're not going to work at a 24 hour diner. <laughs> we, we will find other employment for you. Yeah. Anyway, occasionally it's a nice place to stop. And, uh, my son and I like to hang out there partly because they have what uh, a touch tunes jukebox. Are you familiar with yes. these things? Sure. I am. So guys like me and you who also have other podcasts about rock and roll, uh, probably get a little obsessed with these things um it is definitely the most money i've ever spent on a jukebox because i just go in you you download the app to your phone you connect your credit card and then you can just force everyone in the place to listen to your music and any establishment that's good at getting people to spend their money in it will crank it so that the regular house volume is lower but if you your song goes on it gets louder than every everything else so it's it's very fun and he understands this control and he also loves to listen to music so we go in we have this whole standard protocol right we start with sunflower by post malone because we once did that and watched the cooks in the back dancing because you can see the kitchen oh and they were like totally into it so we're like we always start with that song and then we do we do all kinds of stuff right we do some john bellion we might do a classic we'll throw in some other stuff so one day we're in there and we go in, we order burgers, we put something on touch tunes and we're, I think we're singing it back and forth to each other. And there is this guy sitting in a booth and he comes out from the booth and he's like, Hey, 
<laughs> I've just got to try to do an impression of what this guy sounded like. I'm in no way mocking anyone. I just, it's very important for the purposes of this story that you understand what this guy sounded like. He's probably in his 50s or 60s, and he's a little oddly shaped. I don't know if overweight's the term, but he's like oddly shaped, and he's very... He just talks like this, and I, like almost like Gilbert Godfrey a little bit, right. like yeah. with um, with the guy who plays what's the guy who who's in Mrs. Doubtfire as Robin Williams' brother, who I always think is Nathan Lane and is not. Oh yeah, the, yeah, that guy. You know, was, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, and they had um, they got a lot of mid range. If you want to talk, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a, a, music, a total like nerdy music thing to say. So yeah, his voice is very middle here. Right. It's got a, it's a little in there. There's no low or high. Right. So he he comes up and he's like, oh, you did. Like he starts trying to talk to my son, and the guy is jarring. Like he's just jarring, and I don't think anything's wrong with him. And I think he's a totally like he has good intentions and he was kind, but he just like personal space has gone away. We're sitting at the actual like there's a bar that looks into the kitchen and it's like. It's a diner. So we're actually, there's booths behind us, but we're actually sitting at the bar that doesn't serve alcohol. And uh, we're, he, he comes up and is kind of like, he's talking to both of us, but I think he's closest to my son and it's just making my son very uncomfortable. My son is, is not unsocial, but he's not a social butterfly. Like if he, he's kind of, you know, too cool for school. So like he won't talk to you if he thinks you're lame. Right. And so this guy is just like trying to talk to him. He's like, Oh, you, are you dancing? Are you enjoying the music? Like he's doing that whole thing. And he's like, he's like, you know what song I like? <laughs> and, and this is like a bizarre turn of the conversation, but we're like just trying to like engage him enough to get him to like, go back to his seat but he very quickly says you know what song I like The Way by Fastball (laughs) which is like first of all I just hope that everyone listening to this knows the song The Way by Fastball apparently Gilbert Gottfried (laughs) does he says do you know The Way by Fastball? And and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a great tune. And he's like, I love that song. It's just a great song. So he starts talking to me. So I realize I have the power of the jukebox right there, right? And I think we might have been explaining to him how we were controlling the music. Like, that may have been part of the impetus of the conversation. Got it. So what would you do in this situation? You're going to play Fastball. <laughs> You're going to play The Way by Fastball because I just want to see what's going to happen. And uh, the whole time, I could tell my son is so uncomfortable with all this and he just wants it to end. So I quickly pull up the way by fastball, not alerting the man of what I'm about to do while he's talking to us. Surprise. And very quickly, the jangly intro starts. And you you know what I'm talking about. You remember that? I know the song. Yeah. And okay. So here's what I was not anticipating. As soon as the song starts, the guy acts like he's won the lottery. Oh my God. This is my song. How'd you get my song to play? And then, and then he starts to perform the song. For Not us. dance, but it's perform. more interpretive. interpretive. I wouldn't call it dance. It was a little bit of a lip sync. He was like he was singing out loud, but he wasn't really trying to project his voice. It was more about. It was more about like the, just the the vibe, and he's kind of too close to us still, and he's just. And the road that day walked on was paved in gold. I mean, it was a little vaudevillian, a yeah. little bit drag. Like, the whole thing was really strange. And In your space. M- and my son is just 
losing his mind. He's trying so hard to be nice, but he can't handle it. And and he just continues. And one can see the road that they walked on was paved in gold. Like if he'd had like a glittery leotard on, it would have been the greatest moment of my life. And and here's my favorite part. And this is like the snotty part of me in this story. But at some point, as he starts to lose energy and the song winds down, we start engaging in a conversation about the song. And he makes reference, like very clear reference to how it came out in like the 60s. And I was like, no, 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 man. I was like, that song came out in like 1997. And he's like, no, no, that's a classic. And I was like, it's a classic depending on how you define classics. But it came out in like 1997, man. It sounds like a song that came out in the 60s and they did that very purposely. But it did not come out in the 60s. It came out in the 90s. And, uh, and so we have this whole ridiculous conversation about fastball in which I also tell him a fantastic anecdote about fastball, which is that I've seen fastball play a lot. Oh, really? In their heyday. And then later, after their heyday, in about 2005, I was in radio and they were playing outside of our market, but we were in a small market, so they were a a few hours away. Yeah. And they did a phone interview with the radio station and said, hey, yes, we're coming through Little Rock. You can come see us. And I loaded up the car and took my my now wife, my then girlfriend, uh, one of my best friends, Tim, and another random person that we hung out with at the time. And we all loaded up and drove like on a weeknight. To go see that 60s band (laughs) fastball. To go see them on their reunion tour. Fastball. Well, so... It was they were playing at um, a, I, th- I literally think it might have been called Jimmy's Chicken Shack though that was a band right that's a band yeah <laughs> it was something like that and it was like you bought the glass and got it, zone and got it filled up with beer the whole night I mean it was like one of those bars wow there were not a lot of people there and I of course like I like hey I'm the guy who from like Market 300 drove down here to see you and they're like yeah thanks for coming to the show like you know like they always say here's the thing about when you interview people on the radio they they always like yeah come to the show man we'd love to see you they don't actually love to see you but I was like 21 and I thought oh this will be great they'll, they'll love, love to see, see me yeah. <laughs> you totally have done this yeah so so I um and they're not happy to see you I at that show they did not play the way in the regular set. So you think, oh, it's going to be the encore. We call them back for an encore, and they came out and played the way in double time. Ooh. They played it in a minute and a half, saluted the audience, and left the building. Oh, my god! And it was the most middle finger slash most rock and roll thing I've ever seen anyone do. <laughs> like, just think about that song, and then think about it in double time. And anyone can see the road that they walked on was paved in gold. I mean, it went so fast. And I thought, oh, this is a gag. They're going to stop and start over. They did not. Yeah, later. So what I'm saying is the only person who really loves that song is that guy that I met at Burger Girl. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. Shout out to that guy. What do you got for me? Oh, I got something. Uh, and it's a jukebox. So, um, before I knew what a, a shed was, a concert venue. Yeah, like a big amphitheater is what a, you mean by that. Where there's there's seats that's covered and then there's that big lawn. Right. So, I grew up with one, not knowing, knowing that's what that was. 
So yeah, I lived in a small in a small market, and they built they tried to build one in a parking lot. If I ever told you a story in the mall, yeah. they were like, "This was like in the early 2000s. They're like, we have this great idea. We're going to build an amphitheater." And we were like, great. And they're like, in the mall parking lot. And the whole plan was, and they eventually did this, was that they would start building the traffic into this market with this thing. And they would have this long-term plan where eventually they would build an actual amphitheater. But this was like when you buy the kid the starter guitar amp. And you're like, yeah. learn to play guitar, and then I'll buy you a Marshall. Like, that's essentially what they did for the for that area in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. And it eventually worked. Oh, I like, thought you were going to say no. No, yeah. now there's a huge amphitheater there, and they get all the summer shows. Oh. So this so this was called and and anyone that grew up around Nashville will get an immediate hard on about what I'm about to say. <laughs> the shed was called the Starwood Amphitheater. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And and there are t-shirts that say star, like they have Starwood Amphitheater t-shirts now. Sure. Um so the thing that was great for me was that my little hometown, which had about 8,000 people then, has a road that still exists that's called the Nashville Highway, and you can drive north out of Lewisburg. That is a song you write. That, that is a, a road you write songs about. Yeah, the, Na- Na- the Nashville Highway. Yeah. And you you can take it and it goes straight through Chapel Hill, and uh, you leave Marshall County, and then you go through Williamson County, where Franklin is, and you come up through Nolansville, and you eventually hit Nashville. But anyway, you eventually, like... You're driving up Nashville Highway, and you would make a right turn, and you'd kind of go off like out in the country and Starwood. So I could, you could hit that, just driving. Just stay on this road. You'll eventually get to the rock and roll. Listen for the rock and roll. So imagine, like where I grew up, and it almost made it seem like it was nearby. So. Once, once my sister started taking me I to was the shows, say, I definitely as a as a kid growing up in a, in a town of eight thousand people, who's learning about all this outside culture you haven't been able to experience, yeah. and you basically just hear the rumor that like it's like get on this road, just drive on this road, and eventually you'll get there. Yeah, like it is, it does create this uh, suddenly this sense that like the world's not too big, right? That you can drive forty minutes and there's this Steve Miller band. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so, getting excited the way you're telling this story. So, um, like, I saw the Steve Miller Band one time, and there weren't enough people there, and they just let everyone from the lawn come down and stand in the seats. Oh, man. Yeah. One time I saw Steve Miller Band, he played none of the hits. <laughs> but the other time he played all of them, right? <laughs> and one of the times he played them all in double time. Right. <laughs> no, wait, that did not yeah. happen. But so, I saw... And, and people could tell you all... Like, people love to tell you the roster of all of the bands they saw there. And I saw Aerosmith. I saw Guns N' Roses. I saw Def Leppard. I saw Europe. I saw New Kids on the Block and Tiffany. Um, so you were just... You, if if your saw, sister or someone in that friend group said, Mark, come along, you didn't care who was on the ticket. I you saw, were going to go. Yeah, New Kids on the Block and Tiffany. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, imagine who was in that car with me. No dudes. Um, <laughs> I saw Slaughter. I saw Slaughter open up with Kiss with no makeup. Um, what? Yeah. I, I'm trying to think like, oh, I saw, this is the best one ever. And I know I took someone with me and it was their first concert. And they were like, man, it was the best thing ever. And you know what? It was Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Winger. <laughs> and the opening act was the Bullet Boys. Oh, wow. Yeah, Smooth Up In You. Winger, surprisingly, was 
fantastic. I know the kid on, on Beavis and Butthead gets made fun of, but like... Kip Winger, man. They, they were loud and great. And, yeah. and during Cinderella, they played uh, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, and a white baby grand came out of the freaking ceiling. <laughs> my, my world changed being there. It did everything. And at some point, you get a little older... And you, you drink some beers and uh, you're hanging out with friends and you, you go to Starwood and you go see shows and then you have some beers. Um, and then, well, where are you going to go after the concert after you had some beers? You go to a diner, right? Uh-huh. The diner I would go to, it's called Waffle House. Uh, <laughs> it was on Bell Road, uh, like in the Hickory Hollow era, uh, area in Nashville. And we'd always go to that to that Waffle House and you were surrounded by lots of other drunk Starwood people and the the after party the waitresses were super nice and would bring over the water like it was just it was like cool it was like the after party and there's the jukebox at records right and I remember we would play Sweet Home Alabama the Radio edit of Freebird. How awful that is. <laughs> How long is the radio edit of Freebird? It's four minutes or something. Um, it's you like know, the radio edit of Layla or the radio edit of uh, My Sharona. Don't get me started. Um, Sweet Shot of Mine, where it takes up the beginning of the mm-hmm. solo. No thanks. So it was all like classic rock things. And so Steve Miller, like all, all those things. So it was all that. And we'd come into there and we'd get like an omelet and we'd hit the jukebox and just load like everybody did it everyone's having fun you're listening to music and at some point I mean we had so much fun at some point you know what we discovered in that jukebox uh oh Tiffany the Waffle House theme (laughs) (laughs) why did I not see this coming why did I not see this coming there's like three records (laughs) And there, there's a, a there's an A and a B side. They're double sided. That have that have, like there's six Waffle House songs. <laughs> we discover them, so we we play them, and we're we're you know we're having a little fun about it. And I then I remember very specifically where it all went wrong. Oh no! So we, it's Starwood concert after party. Waffle House. So we go in. I can tell you, I remember exact one person who was with me. I remember that night. And we load up the quarters in that jukebox. Mm-hmm. And we just play the Waffle House theme. A1 <laughs> on the jukebox. Over and over again. Uh, you know what happened, Brian? I was scared to ask. One of those ladies went over and unplugged the jukebox. No. And, and turned that party off. No. Everyone went quiet. <laughs> like a teacher came over and started banging the erasers in front of everybody. Raisin raisin toast. Raisin toast. And it was and it was Raisin Toast. <laughs> raisin Toast. Did you play Raisin Toast? No. Do you know do you remember that one? Yes. 
So, <laughs> so I, like never. a record scratch, like literally pulls the yeah. cord out of the wall, and everyone stops talking. <laughs> And from that day, from that particular day, I never, ever, ever played the Waffle House theme for any of those Waffle House songs. <laughs> you just told us like a morality tale, like it you're is, tucking your I'm, child in at night. Yeah. And from that day forward, <laughs> we never played Raisin Toast again. Because at some point, the empathy got me, and I realized, can you imagine working at that place and dealing with a bunch of drunk rednecks and having to hear the theme song of the damn place that you work playing over and over again? What kind of hell do you live in that there's a theme song for the place that you work? Like how it's, it's everyone's hell, but they have one. Like it exists for them. <laughs> if you want to get involved in the show, uh, you can do that by sending us an email. We are the story guys at gmail.com. All of the stuff that we do is headquartered at we are the story guys.com. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, my, I thought my story was going to win this week. Okay. You no, you have got all the points. All of the fake points go to Murdoch this week. And, uh, I'm, I'm, oh my god, dude! I've blocked out what that song sounds like too. I don't want to know. <laughs> raisin toast, raisin toast, raisin toast. Uh, what do we need people to keep doing, buddy? Keep eating Waffle House and telling stories. Story Guys is a production of Brian Eichenberger and Mark Murdoch. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. All rights reserved.